pray also that you would be glorified, that your name would be praised through all that is done here this morning in this place. Amen. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice indeed as we join together in our opening song, Our God. this morning, uh, filling in for our drummer, Tony Fulgar. Uh, Tony had hip replacement surgery this past week and told me that the next day after surgery, he went home and was uh, starting his rehab and was out, actually out in the yard working, doing some chores later that week. So uh, <laughs> he said he wanted to play drums this morning. So good news for Tony. Uh, he had a good attitude going into uh, the surgery. Uh, thank you, Kit, for being here and playing this morning. I now invite the children to come forward for the children's message. Come on down, kids. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you today. Some of you are tired. You've gotten up early, I know. Uh, you were here singing in our choir this morning, which was great to have uh, some of you sing. Um, it's good to see you this morning, and we continue in a season of our church year called Epiphany. I've told you that the last couple weeks. Epiphany is a season of growth, which is why we have green around the altar area, the green pyramids or hangings. It's a season of growth, not only as we grow in our faith and trust in God, 
but it's a season of growth as we come to know God in a deeper way. We come to see Jesus more clearly. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus turning water into wine. And so we talk about how God is magnificent. God is greater than we can ever think. The Bible tells us that God can do more for us than we can ever imagine. That we are to come to God in prayer with that kind of hope and expectation. That God is awesome. God is great. Who can make this, you know, awesome tree outside our window here at church. That reminds me of the awesomeness of God. Last week, we talked a little bit about Jesus going up into the temple and clearing out the clutter. And this reminds us that for God, God cares about right and wrong. God cares about justice. And uh, in that last song that we just sang, Our God is Greater, when someone hurts you or when someone wrongs you, you can be sure that God is with you during that time, that God is on your side. Uh, and if God is on your side, then you win, even, even though it, it has, you've endured something that is, that is not good, you are still on the positive side because God is with you. God cares about right and wrong. God cares about justice, and God works for that in this world. So we can remember that, that God is great, greater than we can ever imagine. God cares about right and wrong. Okay? Uh, the, but the most important thing, perhaps, that we can learn about God what we learned this morning in church, what we hear about probably every Sunday, and that is that God is the one who loves us. That God is the one who loves us. There's a Bible verse that you probably are familiar with. Uh, probably the, the one verse in the Bible that is the favorite verse of the most people in the world, and that starts, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. And that's the good news that we hear today. And probably the best thing we can learn about God is that God loves us. So let's have a prayer together. Dear God, thank you that you are awesome, that you are just, and that you love us and claim us as your children. Amen. Okay, thanks for coming up, you guys. Have a great time in Sunday school. Thank you, teachers, for leading our young ones. And I invite you to stand as we continue with our prayer of confession and word of forgiveness. Before we join in this prayer together, I invite you into a time of silent meditation to examine your hearts before God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we confess before you that we have failed to live as your servants. We've chosen to live our lives for ourselves, according to our own desires. We've chosen to be our own masters instead of following you as our Lord. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive our sins, and make us whole again. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. For the sake of his Son of God, hear that gives the sins of those who believe and trust in him. Dearly beloved of God, hear the good news today. For Jesus' sake, your sins are fully forgiven. God has cleansed your heart to serve him in purity and in faithfulness. Amen. Please be seated. We continue with our worship, singing, He Knows. Strive and day by day, barely have the strength to pray. 
hard your fight has been How deep the pain within Wounds that no one else can see Hurts too much to show All the doubt you're standing in between in our gospel reading for today of how much God knows about us. Uh, part of what we just sang comes from a psalm. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you are hurting this day, uh, you are not alone. God is with you in this time and will be with you uh, as you move on in these days. We now sing the song. Oh, 
we come before our Lord falling on our knees, as we come humbly before him, uh, we have the promise of God that he will raise us up. We continue with the prayer of the day, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, dwelling in majesty and mystery, renewing and fulfilling creation by your eternal spirit, and revealing your glory through our Lord Jesus Christ, cleanse us from doubt and fear, and enable us to worship you with your Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, living and reigning, now and forever. Amen. We continue with the reading of God's Word for today. Our lector is Shelley Sarkeesian. Good morning. Our first reading from God's Word chosen for this Sunday is from the 139th Psalm, beginning with verse 13. The reading begins on page 656 of the Red Bibles, and I invite you we the people of the word, to follow along with me. In this passage, the psalmist rejoices in the presence of God. God has intricately created him and blessed him with life. Psalm 139, 13 through 18. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Here ends the first reading for today. Our next reading is from Paul's epistle to the, to the Ephesians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. This reading begins on page 1,225. In this passage, the apostle rejoices in the love, kindness, and mercy of God, who has saved us by grace for good works. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here ends our second reading. Thank you, Shelley. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel for today. The Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. John, the third chapter, page 1111. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, 
And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light, to the light, to be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has been done has been done through God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Well, dearly beloved of God, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I remember back at uh, St. Luke's Lutheran Church in La Mesa, California, where I grew up, uh, coming into church as a, uh, as a boy, as early as I can remember, and hearing my pastor preach from the pulpit. Um, our pastor, Pastor Hoffman, was the only pastor the only senior pastor that I knew, uh, completing his entire ministry there in our congregation, 38 years in that pastorate. Can you bear with me for another 28 years here in this place? <laughs> I would be quite old at that time. And uh, anyway, uh, but it was, it was the case that whenever my pastor would quote a verse from the Bible that I already knew that was in my head or in my heart, it brought me just a wonderful a sense of joy that I knew what was going to come out of his mouth next, the next words that he was going to say, because I knew how that verse started. Well, that may have been the case with you today, as there was, that verse was read from John 3:16, "For God so loved the world." You hear those words and you go, "I know that one. I know that one." Uh, that's, that's an important scripture for many of us uh, today. Well, most of us have had the experience in our lives of going to the dentist's office or going to the doctor and having x-rays or scans take place. Now, those scans or x-rays may not be that uncomfortable or difficult. It's what happens afterwards that's the hard part. That four-letter word, wait, as we wait for the results. Um, you might have had the experience of going through a job interview, and you finally get to that final interview, and you're sitting there, and the people who are interviewing you are looking over your CV, they're going over your background check, and you're filled with some sort of fear what they might find. Or worst case scenario, if the IRS comes knocking, you get a notice and you are being audited scary. What will they find when they look through all my records or the records that aren't there? I have all mine recorded, just so you know. Uh, the fear is, what will they find? What will the dentist find? Uh, what will the doctor find? Nicodemus comes out of the darkness into the light this morning. It's a scary thing to do, and it takes some courage. For as we do that, as we come into the light, everything is exposed to the presence, in the presence of the one with 
perfect 2020 soul vision. It's already bad enough when you look into a mirror with good light and you can see everything. But what about coming into the light, the light that exposes everything? If you choose to have the courage of Nicodemus this morning and come into the presence of Jesus, the light of the world, you will experience a great wonder. You will be surprised with truly good news. Good news like no other. Good news that is truly an epiphany. But it's not what you might think. Let us pray. Almighty God, what a treasure it is to come here to this place to hear your words spoken. We pray that as we do so, you would open our ears and open our hearts to receive all that you have prepared for us this day. May your word do its work in our midst. May your will and plan be accomplished in and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, right before we get to John chapter 3, at the tail end of chapter 2, we read the words, Jesus knew all men. Now, women, that's a different story. Uh, women, no, I'm just kidding. Jesus knew all men and women. Jesus knew what was in man, we read. And the next verse says, then came a man of the Pharisees. And we can be sure that Jesus knew what was in this man as well, even as he knows what's in me and what's in you. Nicodemus was no slouch. He was a Pharisee, a strict student of the law. He served on the Jewish council. He was a man of importance. He came, by, he came to Jesus by night. He came privately, in secret. Did Nicodemus come as a representative of all of the Pharisees? Was his coming at night due to the fact that he wanted no non-Pharisees to know what the Pharisees were up to? Or does he come of his own accord at, at a time when his colleagues, his fellow Pharisees, wouldn't know what he was up to? Darkness and light are a major theme in, God, in John's gospel. We'll see more of that as we page through his account. But Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he says, we know. We know. He speaks not just for himself. They all knew the truth about Jesus. They all knew the truth that Jesus had come from God. But of course, it's not merely a matter of knowing the truth. It's more a matter of what we do once we discover it. And perhaps it's much the same in our world today. It's easy to dismiss God by claiming atheism, but perhaps the real heart of the matter is that many people simply don't want to face up to the truth that they know is there. Doing so would necessitate a change in their lives, a change so big, a change so drastic, a change so life-changing that it would be like being born again. We know, we know, Nicodemus says, that you are a teacher who has come from God. The signs that you're doing attest to them. Well, as I mentioned to the children earlier in our service, in the past few weeks, we have seen Jesus turn water into wine, expressing the abundance of God. We have seen Jesus make a clean sweep of the temple grounds, clearing away the clutter that kept people from coming to understand the love, grace, and mercy of God. We know that you have come from God, Nicodemus says, for the science, no one could do the things that you're doing if they had not come from God. Well, this is the last time in this passage, the last time in John, that we will hear words spoken from Nicodemus, words claiming to what he knows. From this point on, all that will come out of his lips 
our questions. Now remember, Nicodemus came from the Pharisees. He was one of their leaders. He knew well how they were organized, how things happened in their world, and how they ruled in their kingdom. The Pharisees would all say that all that they did was according to the law of God and according to the tradition of the elders. Even as Nicodemus, in contrast, Jesus came from God. Even as Nicodemus attests, and the way things operated in the kingdom of the Pharisees was vastly different than the way things worked in the kingdom of God. That Jesus had come from God was attested to by the miracles he was doing, but Jesus also would speak to the people the truth. We heard it announced earlier in John's Gospel, in the prologue in chapter 1, where we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 17, John says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus would speak the truth. I tell you the truth, he says three times in this passage. Other translations will put it more literally from the Greek. Truly, truly, I say to you. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. No one can see the kingdom of God. Interesting, the words that Jesus uses there. But we remember that Nicodemus came to him at night. He came to him in the darkness, at which time it is difficult to see. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asks. Of course, there are no second physical births. That's simply out of the question. So maybe Jesus meant these words not literally. Maybe being born again meant something about gaining a new life, turning over a new leaf, so to speak. But can new leaves really be turned over? Can old dogs really learn new tricks? Can Pharisees, set in their stony ways, have any real hope of change in their lives? Perhaps, but only if it comes from the outside. I well remember the words of the great preacher, Dr. H. Eddie Fox. He reminded the hearers in his audience, which included me, that there are many things a person can do for himself in this life, but giving birth is not one of them. You cannot give birth to yourself. It didn't work that way the first time, and it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God either. It's something that happens to us, this being born again or being born from above. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Jesus contrasts the physical earthly birth with the spiritual heavenly birth. He tells our friend Nick Odemus, the first Irishman in the Bible, you still with me, that he should not be at all surprised at his words. He should not marvel in the words of Jesus that he must be born again. Well, if I were our friend Nick, I'd be feeling pretty dumb at this point because he was indeed surprised. And this learned lawyer probably had not felt that way in quite some time. Dumb, that is. Jesus tells him the wind blows where it will. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. The word for wind or spirit, both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, is similar. And although science will tell us that wind is simply air, moving from a point of high pressure 
to low pressure, seeking equilibrium, although we can explain it in general terms, we cannot predict it specifically. Perhaps much like the doctor who tells you your due date, but we all know what that means. In the end, the baby will come when it wants to. Even so, the wind blows at the beckoning of someone greater. For the third time, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, but still you people do not accept our testimony. The Pharisees knew that Jesus was from God, but they did not accept it. And now we come to the point in the scripture for today where Jesus tells two great things to Nicodemus. First, he says that the only one who has gone up into heaven, the only one who can speak with authority about it, is the only one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And of course, Jesus is speaking about himself. Here, the Son of Man, this title represents not Jesus' human nature, in contrast to his divine nature. But the Son of Man is a title of the Messiah. The prophet Daniel spoke about this in chapter 7. You can go home and read more about that, of how that term is used as a figure for the Messiah to come. As Daniel says, then I saw one like a Son of Man. But secondly, Jesus references your favorite book of the Bible, the book of Numbers, right? Your favorite book. As he reminds Nicodemus of the serpent, the bronze serpent, which was raised on a staff in the wilderness. If you don't remember this event, it's when the children of Israel had left Egypt, had left their bondage there, and were making their way through the wilderness, making their way to the promised land. Well, in the midst of their journey, just like children will do, they started complaining, and God was on his last nerve, so to speak. The people were being bit by snakes. Some of them were suffering, even dying. Moses was then told to make a bronze or brazen serpent and to put it on a stick. You may recognize the American Medical Association symbol to raise it up on that standard or that stick, and that everyone who looked upon this bronze serpent would be healed. Looking up to that bronze serpent on the stick, they would find their salvation. So too must the Son of Man be lifted up, Jesus tells Nicodemus, as he gives him a preview of the things to come. When Jesus would enter into his final hour, when his time would fully come, he, the Son of Man, the Messiah, would be lifted up on a standard, a cross, that everyone who looked to him would likewise find their salvation. How interesting it is that this Son of Man lifted up is the answer Jesus gives Nicodemus to his question, how can these things be? How interesting that these are the last words that Nicodemus will speak before he disappears from the scene. And how interesting that Nicodemus, this wise man, this ruler of the Pharisees, would appear again in John's gospel right there at the cross with a mixture of myrrh and aloes and with them wrap Jesus in swaddling clothes. And here's the surprise I told you that you would see. If you had the courage of Nicodemus and drew close to Jesus this morning, for while doing so is indeed a scary thing, because your deeds and your hearts will be exposed for all that they are, sick, diseased, and dead, yet while this is true, there's more that happens when you come into the light. For the surprise is that the light serves not just to see you more clearly, but it serves to see Jesus more clearly. And when you do, you see a truly marvelous and wondrous thing. 
For Jesus tells us that the will and plan of God is to send his Son into the world for the purpose not of judgment or condemnation, but for the purpose of salvation. The invitation is extended to all. This invitation to believe, to enter into the fullness of relationship that God has established with his people. The law in the kingdom of the Pharisees, the religious rules and the way that they interpreted them was part of the problem. For the Pharisees could work toward their outward behavior, but as far as the inward spiritual keeping of the law, it necessarily results in a person working just as hard to mask the sickness in his heart. Luther taught that one of the purposes of the law, besides showing us what is right and what is wrong, besides showing us how far off the mark we have been, how far we have failed, that one of the purposes of the law, says Luther, is to point out our dire need and then to drive us to Christ, our Savior. For only Jesus can satisfy the law's demands. Only Jesus is righteous. And if we are to merit righteousness, it is only through the merits of Christ. Then it will be seen that our works have been wrought in God. The good news this morning is the good news of every new day. That Jesus has sent the light, that God sends the light into the world for the purpose of not of condemnation and judgment, but for the purpose of salvation. And if you believe that this morning, you can dare to come out of your cave, emerge from your shell, and with the courage of Nicodemus, come into the light of Jesus and live life for all it's worth, now and forever. The Spirit of God, who alone brings heavenly birth, will enable you to do so. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for the good news that you sent your Son into this world by your love, not to condemn, not to judge, but to save. Help us ever to rejoice in that good news and by it be moved to go forth and to share this good news with others. These things we pray in your name. Amen.
Eleison, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy indeed. I invite you to stand as we join together as in the confession of our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, we thank you for who you are and for what you have done on our behalf. For the good news this morning that you have come as our Savior. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we pray for unity among all peoples in your world including unity within the body of Christ. We pray that you would draw us all to yourself, help us to honor one another, to bring glory to your name. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we know that it is the church's mission to proclaim your good news, that all the world might come to know you. We pray that faith would break open for all people and that we would learn not only of your love, but learn to love one another. Lord, in your mercy. And Almighty God, you are the healer of all. We come before you entrusting your servants into your care this day. We lift before you your servant Jacqueline Ishu, Suzanne von Stern, Sarah and Eliana Hansen, Emma Ashley. We pray for Jim and Basky Turner, for Michaela Lucio. Lord, in your mercy. We celebrate with Betty Peterson her gift of life as she celebrates 92 years this day. We lift before you Paul and Joan, Joan Spitzen as they celebrate 62 years of married life together. Continue to draw them close together and to draw them close to yourself. We pray for Pastor David Schick at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Los Altos for the ministry taking place within and beyond their church walls. And we pray that you would be with the families of those who grieve, including the families of Paul Brobst, Laura Tanner, and Margaret Bowman, that you would comfort them with your presence and the assurance of your faithful resurrection promises. Lord, in your mercy. 
And Lord, you have invited us, commanded us to pray for those who govern us. And so in faithfulness to your call, we lift before you our President Trump and Vice President Pence and pray, O Lord, that you would work in them and through them for the good of our nation and for the good of our world. May your will be at work. We also pray for your missionaries in faraway places, for the Stone family in Turkey, for the Pixleys in Croatia, the Wicks in Cartagena, and the Shalhubs in the Middle East and North Africa, that their work might be successful, that many would come to know you. Lord, in your mercy. It is into your hands, O Lord, that we commend all for whom we pray. With these prayers spoken, the silent prayers of our hearts, and those prayers that you know that we need, entrusting them into your care through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. We continue with our offering. pray with me. Let us pray. Great and eternal God, we offer these gifts in praise and thanksgiving for your presence and love. May these gifts and our lives further the ministries of your church through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We remember that in the night in And now here in this place, we remember that in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. We join together in singing our Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Those who sin against us, save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Dearly beloved of God, this is the Lord's table. Jesus is the host of this meal. All who believe and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior are welcome to join in this Holy Communion. We do commune by intinction at this service. You'll receive a wafer. You're invited to reserve that wafer to dip into the wine or the grape juice which follows.
to receive both elements at the same time. Please come at the direction of our ushers this morning. I'm finding myself in loss for words And the funny thing is it's okay The last thing I need, the last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say Word of God speak you bought your light ring, watching my eyes to see your majesty. Be still and know if you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Now the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bless you and keep you in his grace now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the close of our service. I want to thank you once again for coming out to join us in our worship for today. You are irreplaceable and your presence here matters to those around you. So thank you for enriching our worship as a body. And again, uh, you're all welcome to join us for lunch over in the hall and the congregational meeting which follows. Now receive the blessing for the journey. May the infinite love of our Heavenly Father, the compassionate love of our Savior Jesus, and the persistent love of the Holy Spirit surround you and give you joy. Amen. Our sending song, You Alone. You are the only All of me at your feet, I worship you alone. You have 